0: ABC Sport. Grandstand cricket.
1: There you go. That's yes. it for the day. You can hear the bails, and that is stumps. This is Grandstand at Stumps on ABC Radio, ABC Sport Digital, and take us with you on the ABC
2: Listen app.
0: Corbin Middlemass, alongside former Australian spinner Xavier Doherty, on Grandstand at Stumps, and the long-time voice of New Zealand cricket, Brian Waddle. I might go with the positive first, uh, the Australian perspective on what happened. We will get to Watson and <laughs> what it means for uh, for the Kiwis in just a moment. But sum up the day for us, Xavier oh. Doherty, from an Aussie perspective. You've covered it all there,
2: Corb. It was a it was a day where I think if you were going to try and predict what you think might happen, you would have been an absolute mile off. It was a a day where you, just the unexpected kept happening. I guess first of all i was i'll put my hand up i didn't think josh Hazlewood was going to last the first over he was facing he was facing so apologies to josh Hazelwood if you if you ever get part of this coverage i didn't think he was going to get through matt henry who had a, a ball that was five overs old he bowled so well yesterday um, and in the end as you said corbin he fa- ended up facing 60 odd deliveries he allowed uh cameron green to get set at the other end i think some of the tactics from new zealand as we mentioned quite a few times every second ball just about it felt like it felt like they were way off with some of their tactics it just allowed that game to flow um and then cameron green who we've spoken so glowingly of over the over the last couple of days you know played his best innings by far in test cricket at this level 174 was an absolutely fantastic knock he was allowed a bit of freedom uh this morning to to get away and 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 face as many balls as he wanted to really and he did it he did it so easily and then when they finally got the the wicket that they were so desperately after you know nearly two and a half hours later they sort of just they were their own worst enemy. New Zealand. Tom Latham, just sort of a bit indecisive, dragged one on. came Williamson, like that was doomsday in my opinion. <laughs> like their best player, the, the the, player that so many of the fans came here to watch today. You know, after a couple of balls, just punched one to mid off. He wouldn't have made it to the other end anyway. You know, even if the if he, even if he hadn't run into to Will Young and then ricocheted into, uh, mid Stark in his follow through, he, he wouldn't have got there anyway. It was an unnecessary risk, but the, you could just feel at that. that point in the play that the panic had set in so and it had gradually got worse worse to that point and uh, yeah I get a lot happened throughout that middle session that you know I, I went down on to the ground level when Blundell and, and um, Phillips were putting that partnership on and you can sort of sense from the Australians and the Australian contingent of the crowd that it was it was becoming quite hard work here and we couldn't quite see where that next wicket was coming from Again, it was it was uh, it was Nathan Lyon who's the man who, who got that breakthrough as he so often does. Yeah, a little, a little wobble at the end there for for Australia. Manus Labisham, when he when he most needed some luck, didn't get it. And then to top it all off, a, a really bad day for New Zealand. You know, a drop catch off the last oh. ball of the day, a, very catchable. It was a, a simple chance for a, for a second slip, and, and a player who's got hands like Tim Southey does. You know, that's uh, that's something that uh, New Zealand, are,
0: uh, well going to look back on you know and and really regret. Nathan Lyons about to join us who is the night watchman he will resume tomorrow morning after being dropped off the last ball as Xavier mentioned Uh, Brian Waddle there's so much to pick up we'll get into the run out and the Cam Green aspect the Aussie batting not concerns but maybe question marks that are still there to be answered so there's a bit to to work through on that front but just as an overarching view of the day what happened today for New Zealand having really controlled large periods of day one?
3: It was going to be the decisive day for New Zealand. Whoever one day two was going to take an advantage in this game and Australia have done it. New Zealand were limp. Their approach to bowling was scrambled in the morning. They didn't really have an organised philosophy about how they were going to get rid of the last man. They seemed prepared to allow one to stay and, and put their focus on the other batsman, and uh, that batsman was Josh Hosewood and I just saw him at the bottom of the stairs waiting for you um, <laughs> so uh, you better watch when you go down but uh, he did the right job he batted like a batsman towards the end there should have been more faith put into him I think 40 or 50 runs went missing that they turned down in the end result they didn't need to and that was highlighted by the fact of bowling New Zealand out with a lead of 204 and that limpness about their effort with the ball Came into their batting, Hmm. they conceded wickets rather than Australia took them uh, with real pressure. They had the departure of Kane Williamson. You know he won't be happy with that. He'll be sitting uh, reflecting on that for a period of time. We saw a marsh green partnership from Phillips and Bundle, Blundell, and uh, at that stage New Zealand looked as though they were getting back into the momentum and intensity that was needed. They lost those wickets with the arrival of uh, Nathan Lyon who got the ball to turn a bit more prodigiously than I imagined it would. And uh, some cavalier batting from Matt Henry to offset his performance with the ball, which was commanding from the New Zealand point of view, managed to get them to within 204. The follow on could have been uh, used if they wanted to. But in the end result, you might as well bat now while the conditions are better than uh, later. You get runs on the board and leave New Zealand to bat if the weather and time allows to do so. Which you know, New Zealand finished today. Two good scalps. Um, one concern about Lavashain. I've looked. I've tried to work out from watching him where the problems are. Are they mental problems? They don't seem to be technical flaws in his game, um, and it'd probably take greater brains than mine to work out the problem. But, you know, at test match level, if you've got pride in your game, you'd be worried. But it's Australia. They hold all the cards, and, uh, you know, they just need the weather to be good to uh, push New Zealand to the um, end. The
0: We'll come back to a bit of that. The, the tactics of the the bowling, particularly in the uh, in the first session of the day, in which Hazelwood and, and Green were able to go about their work. Cam Green and what he uh, his place in this Australian team and batting down that number four spot. The questions over Smith in his position at number one. Manus Labuschagne in his relatively lean run, particularly in his last five completed innings, all out for uh, for low scores. And the run out, that calamity, with uh, with Kane <laughs> Williamson being sent on his way after just uh, two balls, running into his teammate mid pitch, and and Manu threw the stumps down. Before all of it, though, uh, it's a good opportunity for us to uh, duck downstairs, and Nathan Lyon still has the pads on, catching up with our own Jeff Lemon. Jeff, We've
4: got Nathan Lyon with us for uh, ABC Sport. I mean, last night 279 for nine, it looked pretty even. Um, this was the dream day basically for you guys.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, um, hats, hats, credit has to go to uh, Greeny, of course, but I think Josh Hazlewood as well. Um, just for those guys to bat two, hour, two hours and 20 minutes in, the, in a pretty challenging wicket, uh, hats off to those guys. But uh, then the bowlers come and did our job, um, which is great. So um, we're in a nice position, but can't take anything for granted.
4: Did you think you had an advantage over New Zealand in the lineup terms, just having yourself there as a specialist spinner where they didn't have that option to turn to?
1: Oh, I don't look at anything like that. I'm a spin bowler and you're asking a spinner if, if the spinner should be picked. I'm probably saying you pick two spinners in every every team. But um, I just enjoy my role. I love love buying off breaks and I'll continue to do that.
4: Tell us about this morning. I doubt you're expecting the extra half hour to be taken so that uh, Josh and Cam could keep on batting. That uh, must have been enjoyable for the rest of you. Uh, something to kick back and watch.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we weren't sure about the extra half an hour, but uh, obviously that's umpire's discretion. Um, but yeah, as I said, it's pretty pretty amazing watching the guys do the, do their thing, and uh, I was pretty pretty proud of them. And
4: as far as freebies go, Kane Williamson 700s in his last seven tests, and then manages to run himself out second ball. Um, they don't don't get much bigger gifts than that.
1: Uh, yeah, you can, you can call it a gift, but uh, look at the effort that Marnus always puts in the field and hey, I dare say he creates a lot of doubt in, in batter's minds uh, with his athleticism and his ability to hit the stump. So you can call it a gift, but in my eyes I'm going to put it down to Marnus in, in the Marnus in and the pressure that he's able to put in the field.
4: What did you make of the surface out there? Because at that, that point where uh, where Phillips was counter-attacking with Blundell, it looked like a, still a pretty good surface to bat on, having bowled on it and, and had a hit on it yourself um, just before stumps. What's your assessment?
1: Um, there's enough there. There's enough there. Um, bowlers are we're playing obviously playing test cricket, and then you've got some of the best bowlers in the world uh, rolling out there on both sides. So uh, there's enough there. It's a challenging wicket, um, but obviously you can see the class at Cameron Green, if you're good enough and hang in there trust your ability then you're able to score some runs as well and uh, credit to the way that Blundell and uh, Phillips come out and played there they put the pressure back on us and made us make sure that our plans were really clear and we're able to go go ahead with that.
4: Okay day three tomorrow you got batting to do good luck. Thank you.
0: Now, thanks to Jeff Lemon and Nathan Lyon uh, downstairs dropped off uh, the last ball of the day so he will be uh, he will be back out there in the morning to resume his innings he's six not out uh, Usman Kawaja will be there with him five not out in Australia two for 13 effectively two for 217 uh, the, the here and now stuff with the Aussies so Smith up the top this is something that has been player driven he wants to go and do it fill that spot in the team give Cam Green the best possible chance to bat in the middle order and we can talk about the knock-on effect and that that has been a success um, but is this the right look for the Australian team with Smith, Khawaja and, and Labashane? Are they in the right spots at the moment for the, the six guys that are there?
2: I think it's an easy question to ask when Steve Smith fails. So if we're going to keep asking it every time he, he drags one on in the first over, I, it's a long-term play for Australia. You know, I think they're looking, obviously trying to get a guy in Cameron Green into the team. You know, mm-hmm. there's they're, they're just trying to pick their best six batters in the country, which they have done, and then trying to fill fill the spots as they need to. So I, I think it's the right play. Steve Smith's a good enough opener. The, the first inning showed that. He made it all the way through in really challenging conditions. It was genuine opening batting conditions yep. and really tough to get through. And he he did that until a point where he nicked one, which, um, you know, he lasted the best part of two hours. Um, so in my call, it's a long play for Australia. They'll, they will do yeah. it next summer, whether we like it or not. I, um, I guess.
0: I guess from my point of view, it's not even the Steve Smith aspect of it. It's the fact that he's got Manus Labashain there who's not batting well and struggling to score. You've got Usman Kawaja who is in the twilight of his career and again isn't scoring as freely. And so this Australian lineup that we're used to seeing even from you know, Matthew Hayden onwards has always started with this counter-attacking type approach and this aggressive batter. You've got three guys at a very different stage of their cricket and their careers at the moment that they're, they don't have any sort of Firebrand type batter at the top of the order that um it takes the attacks to the, the bowlers in the way that we're used to in the past.
2: Well, I think Steve Smith will. I, and okay. I, I think, and it wasn't that long ago where Manus you know, was was in good form. You know, the the 60s that he that he scored against Pakistan was only a month or two ago. So it's not like a, yes, the last was it the last five innings yeah. at this level where he hasn't hasn't made a decent score. That's not a big sample size, really. You know, I think we've got to give yep. a guy of his quality. A little bit more time. I can see on the text that there are guys that are that are calling yes. for Renshaw, or they're calling for Bancroft. It's like this guy's averaged 50 for a reason, you know, yeah. and he's and it's I- been pretty
0: lean. I like the six. I just worry they might be in the wrong spot. Yeah, maybe we could rejig the order a little bit. But I, I agree with what you're saying. I think Kerry O'Keefe refers to them as the hunters and the collectors. That you have either either as a batter, you're a collector or you're a hunter. Feels like they're three collectors at okay. the top with uh, with Kawaja, Smith, and uh, and Manus. We don't quite have a hunter at the top of the batting order, which we've been spoilt with for a long period of time. Of course, with the likes of Hayden and Warner in more recent times. But it's a smaller issue. I think ever, I think it's a, a I think team?
2: it's a form thing rather than a. Yep. Than, a, than a tactics and a, and a batting position thing. That's my own personal opinion anyway. Do you have a view, Brian, as yeah. a, on the Aussies?
3: Well, uh, it's it's a general view on, on what you're talking about, not so much on the Aussies. But to me, I'm a man for players in their position, particularly batsmen, you know. They tell you that one in two is different than batting at three. Uh, I don't know what the difference is because I never played there, but <laughs> I can understand that. And to me, it would be like when New Zealand were looking for an opener, say ross taylor and kane williamson you put one of them there because they're your best player to me that i think dilutes their skill and um i i think if you've got a an opening position you pick an opener and you use him because you're going to have to do that aren't you you're going to have to do that when smith goes and when kawaja goes Um, if you've got someone now then why don't you use him? that would be my Mm. philosophy and I would agree with those who feel that way.
2: Well, my, my answer to that is uh, it's a clear message from the selectors that they don't feel like they've got that, that person that's going to fill the yeah. void for the next five years. You know, Bancroft's been there before. Yeah. You know, He's been found out a few times. He's gone back and scored. He's doing everything he can. But it's a message to me f- from the selectors that they feel the crop they've got in, well, Renshaw's within this squad, Harris, who's been there and they've let go, mm. and Bancroft, who's scoring the runs and they're still not picking him, uh, feels like they're moving past them and they're waiting for another crop to come through.
0: Well, the selectors also have the fallback that this was player-driven the way that the team's been assembled. So they could say, hey, we didn't decide to arrange in this order. Well. Smith wanted <laughs> to go and open so if we want to change the batting order, that's our, that's our right. Well, that's an easy out, isn't it? It wasn't,
2: it wasn't our fault. <laughs> Don't blame the players.
3: Opening batsman fail. It's, yeah. it's that, part, it goes with the territory. Absolutely. And sure. so you're going to have that. If you've got somebody who can score consistently, is Smith doing what an opener would want at the moment? Are scores you know what you would require at the top of the order I, to my mind i think mm. for what he is worth as a player he's failing he's a better player than that and be- that yeah. that would be one of the points I would put into selection if I was a selector on that situation.
0: Manas did get a couple of 60s at the uh, SCG against Pakistan. He also made 63 first innings Boxing Day test. I feel like his second innings 100 in Manchester is easily forgotten, but it was a a key 100 in not just the context of the game, but in the series uh, more broadly as well. But his last five completed scores now 10, 3, 5, 1 and 2. So he's um, under as much pressure as anyone in the batting lineup, but as we spoke about Xavier yesterday, and I'm, we'll continue to, there's only two innings to come for these guys until November, and the yeah. border Gaviska series, so it feels like such a settled team that regardless what happens for the remainder of the series, that's a long time away, and it feels like the, these guys will probably get the first crack at that when India come to town.
3: He's, a, he's an interesting character. As, as I say, I've looked to try and work something out about him. What I've noticed from having watched a lot on television is when he walks out to bat he's always been full of gusto full of confidence and yet he, he doesn't seem to carry that uh, mannerism mm. when he's batting here at the moment i don't know whether that's anything about it but the, you know there is obviously something playing on his mind isn't
2: there well it's like a runs he's human yeah, you know he, exactly. he's he's come he's come into this mm. team what was it in the in the, in the ashes when uh, he was a replacement player and from then on He's had that gusto. He's walked, you know, walked on the, on his toes, and he's yep. had his chest out and all that sort of stuff. Lack of runs will do that to any player, no matter yeah. how good they are. And certainly, Mark, he didn't get the luck today. Um, but it wasn't that long ago where he was churning out some runs. And like you say, that Manchester innings was crucial for Australia. He will be there in in November regardless. And I, and I think at the end of the day, yeah, that, that'll be the case. And, I, and I, honestly, I can't see them tinkering with that order he's, uh, between now and
0: then. He's going to play county cricket. He could come in and out of form three times before <laughs> November rolls around the and the, the Aussies cricket play, you play. play a test <laughs> match again. Uh, Cam Green. We, we touched on him right throughout the day, but 174 not out. It, it is his finest innings in his young test career so far playing his 27th match, just his second 100, but the other one was on a, a flatty in a tame draw in Ahmedabad. Uh, his other better innings were the, the 70s that he scored one at the ashes on a, a green monster down in Hobart and then the 70 at goal on a, on a raging turner so this was a, a fine innings that had multiple different phases and then to add 73 today um, but there was a lot of talk Xavier about you know, whether he was worth parachuting into the team at all cost and rejigging the order and whether that was the way to go and um, it, I think you can understand why the wise old heads of Australian cricket said look we need to get this guy some test cricket exposure however we can and what he's, uh, what he's capable of becoming.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's been any doubt on the talent of the guy. The fact that, you know, aside from his batting, he is a gun in the gully. As good as well, I haven't been around that long, as good as I've seen in the gully for, for quite a while. Hayden was another one that was, he just caught everything that was in his range and he bowls at 140 clicks. Mm. Like it's madness if we keep this guy on the sidelines for another couple of years. Um, he, he's just someone that they had to invest in. Yeah, they've and we've spoken about it a lot, they've moved heaven and earth to get him there. We're batting guys out of position. I think in the long run, it'll it'll pay dividends. It'll pay dividends. Tonight, you know, uh, today, you know, the, the theatre last night of him getting towards that 100 uh, and the, the three fours that he hit in the last over and then today, that was just the icing on the cake. The way, uh, yes, the tactics of New Zealand allowed him to get yep. set and bat the way he wanted to and he was learning on the job. He was getting told by uh, Josh Hazelwood out there, ha- how he needs to bat with the tail, which was quite an interesting, uh, interesting little process. But it's time in the middle and time that he has to spend at this level to get better.
0: Uh, the run-out was uh, a complete disaster. I think you were both on air together at, uh, at the time in which it happened. Kane Williamson, uh, which really felt emblematic of the entire New Zealand, not just innings, but the entire day for the Kiwis. Here's how it was called on ABC Sport.
3: Stark from the van stand in, bowling to Williamson, pats his bat on the ground and then comes forward and drives down the ground, doesn't quite Oh! Collision between the two players and there's Williamson out. There's a collision between Williamson and Stark and the other batsman. The throw at the stumps has hit the stumps. Mitchell
2: Stark had his back to both of the batsmen and Will Young have collided mid-wicket and ricocheted into Mitchell Stark. There was some booze from the crowd, but which I think when the when they show the replay, they'll see what has exactly unfolded. There was nothing untoward from Australia there, and just a, a collision and a calamity for New Zealand.
0: A Collision and a calamity was a good way to put it on the spot from Xavier Doherty. Whose fault was it, Brian Waddle? Kane Williamson, to my mind. Yep. Um, schoolboy era. Mm.
3: Firstly, you know you have the choice of taking the run, and he probably wouldn't have made it. But if you opt to go for a run, then you've got to do everything else right. You've got to run down the right line. You've got to watch your uh, uh, other batsman. You've Mm. got to watch the fieldsman there. The other batsman was ball-watching, and therefore he was turning and couldn't avoid the collision. And from there on in, you've got a man who will hit the stumps nine times out of ten, I reckon, and he did. And so, you know, I think Williamson was bemused. He didn't leave the side of the ground for about... 20 minutes because he was waiting to con- basically confirm that he was out Yeah, he p- I probably imagined he thought, I'm not out, I'm not out <laughs>
2: He was like the rest of us, couldn't quite believe what had just unfolded Yeah,
3: and, and there's the world's best batsman, number one at the moment out for a duck uh, I think that knocked the wind out of the New Zealand sails and, and the major portion of it is Kane Williamson's fault
0: Second ball duck, he's first in a dozen years in uh, in New Zealand that he's been out without scoring So um, I probably saw crazy. it Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you would have just started your uh, your commentary career back then, Brian, when yeah, uh, Cain Williamson started.
3: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I've been around a little bit longer
0: than that. <laughs> I was being polite. I thought I'd uh, give you a few years on that front. Uh, the tactics um, that, that started the day. So we have seen the Aussies be on the other side of it, uh, particularly, uh, I think it was at the SCG, when Amir Jamal stuck around for a long period of time in the 10th the wicket. Um This thing that we have going in world cricket at the moment where as soon as the number 11 walks out, we forget about trying to get the set bat out and it's entirely trying to get number 11 out. Is it time for a rethink?
2: Well, they had their rethink four times out there in New Zealand and at times they got it right. You know, they they kept their sweepers out and brought the rest of the field in. I think there was was somewhere in the middle there where they bowled a maiden and they had the the chance to get the crack, which is what they were after, and then they reverted back to the old tactics. So at times they get it right. It's just the panic and the mindset. You know, you're out there and you you feel like things should be going better than they are, and so you change it again. Yeah,
3: they let New Zealand, they let Australia dictate the conditions and, and the terms of how they went about it. And when you do that, as Jim said during the commentary, that, you know, you're giving away a chance of taking a wicket. Don't ever do that because you might never take it. Mm. Uh, What they had to do was rate their bowlers against Green as much as against Hazelwood because Hazelwood then would have been in perhaps panic scenario. You never know. Uh, But also Green wouldn't have been able to settle himself in as he did today and add another 30, 40, 50 runs, whatever he added to his total.
2: Yeah, well, that's right. He, they ended up spending time in the middle. I think there was, you know, the first 20 minutes of the day when the chance of getting Green out was at its highest. He had every fielder on the fence, and he could just he could work his way into the game. And then, they, you know, they started to bring some up, and he'd hit some boundaries. And like you say, they, he just it, it played beautifully into, into Green's hands. Mm. And Josh Hazelwood, who, who played beautifully as
0: well, I might add. A couple of other points uh, just before we get out of here. Uh, tomorrow... Uh, if you want to follow along with our coverage, of course, you can find it through the ABC Listen app. Just look out for that red cricket ball where you are listening now or through ABC Sport. Uh, the Listen app, the uh, the best place to find it. You can also follow coverage of the live blog, which is available on abc.net.au sport. So shout out to our team for the work on the live blog. Uh, and the Rugby League this weekend. Andrew Moore, along with Ryan Hoffman and the great Johnny Gibbs are all in Las Vegas, would you believe, for the opening weekend of the Rugby League season. So we will have coverage Coverage of that on Sunday. Again, the best place to find it through the ABC Listen app. Look out for the green ABC Sport button to catch coverage of uh, the first couple of games from Allegiant Stadium in uh, in Las Vegas this weekend. The Seagulls and the Bunnies, and the Roosters and the Broncos. Uh, so that's what's uh, coming up weekend uh, this weekend on uh, on that front. Uh, Brian, I'll hear from you once again tomorrow here at uh, at the Basin Reserve, and hopefully for your sakes, better day for uh, for the hosts. I'll be here, looking forward to it. <laughs> I'll let you go home and. Try and drain out a few of those tears, <laughs> and come back. Uh, Quite stupid. Come back renewed tomorrow. <laughs> uh, catch you then, Xavier. Cheers, Corb. Xavier Doherty as well, alongside Brian Waddle, Jim Maxwell, Jeff Lemon, Katie Martin, and also Craig McMillan. Thanks for all their work throughout the day. Uh, thanks to our host studios as well, the Cash Fodida in Perth and Sprigg earlier in the day in Sydney. So that's it from day two at the Basin Reserve in Wellington. The Aussies to resume on day three at two for 13. They're effectively two for 217 in a commanding position in the first test. Good night from Wellington.